Hello and welcome to this week's Key Voices, conversations with folk in and around education. I'm Caroline Doherty. This week we are talking to the senior leadership team at Team Education Trust. They launched in June this year during the pandemic and really felt strongly that there isn't really a manual for teams setting up multi-academy trusts. So we thought it would be a good idea to talk to them six months in and also revisit them twice um, throughout the rest of this year to find out more about their journey, how it's going and what they're learning. The team are incredible and it was a real privilege to see the dynamic between them and hear about how they've worked together in detail. As ever, I'd just like to remind listeners that this podcast is an opportunity to open up debate and discussion around topics. The views my guests and I are about to express are not the view of the key. For in-depth authoritative articles on the latest issues in education, check out thekeysupport.com. And before we go into today's episode, I just want to say a huge thank you to all the people doing wonderful work to keep schools open for vulnerable children and keep workers' children and get remote education up and running this week. Unimaginably huge tasks and as ever, the education sector has risen to them brilliantly. So, into today's episode. Hello. Today, I am talking to the Team Education Trust. Um, talking to the senior leadership team, um, comprised of Sarah Baker, CEO, Leanne Noon, Chief Financial Officer, Rachel Watson, Director of Education and Achievement, and Alison Bingham, Director of Development. Hello to all of you. Hello. Hi Hello. Thank you. It's really great to have so many of you joining us. And what we're going to do today is talk um, about the the beginning of your of your trust because you were only launched um, in the summer, uh, and we're going to track your journey over the course of this podcast and a couple more throughout the year. So I'm really excited to introduce you to our listeners. So we're going to kick off with uh, this question, Sarah. What was the motivation? Um, behind you sort of taking Stubborn Wood School, which was your original school, which is a successful, outstanding school for children with SEND, um, into this independent new trust? I think for me, really, it was about then school actually leading because of the expertise that we had, um, also collectively from a leadership point of view, the expertise we had across different um, phases within education, so we're able to join all of that together. Um, very much about the heart of inclusion and working together. And I think for us, when we were looking at um, academisation and other trusts, we felt that actually we had something quite unique to offer and felt that we could actually have a go at going alone. Um, we looked at the local community needs and very much felt that at that point, for our vision and our values, it, it was time for us to actually really go out there and create something that we really believed in. And we 
put together a vision that was very much around nurture, inclusion and learning environments in a collaborative manner. And so we wanted to really provide a high quality provision and think about how then we could actually share that in a wider format. Fantastic. So, so there was a very strong kind of vision and ethos from you, and you couldn't see kind of looking looking around necessarily anyone to to collaborate with. So you kind of went went alone. Can you tell me a little bit about the other the context of the the other schools in the trust? So we've got two primary schools currently, um, both of which are very inclusive, uh, local to us, so within a five ten minute drive from us. Um, although our wider collaboration, and I think that's just something I need to touch on at this point, is actually beyond this. We actually go as far into Derbyshire, we go to Nottinghamshire, and we've even got schools that we support down as far as Birmingham. So our ex- the inclusion and our SEND expertise is wider than just those two schools. Both of our two schools in the Trust, though, do have high levels of deprivation, um, high proportions of pupil premium, and SEND and with that felt that they had a real alignment with us and we were able to work with them to actually develop the trust. So although um, we've been the lead school in the sense of uh, the leadership and the development, we've actually brought them on that journey with us and I think that's really, really important for them because they've been able to develop and have their voice heard within the trust. Fantastic. And as as you mentioned there um this this bold decision to sort of create your own own trust um what would you say are, are the real kind of key values um that set you apart from other trusts that that you've worked with or 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 no we have um an offer uh, which is based around our values so it's called together and so we've used every letter of together to really build those values so we have together working in partnership and we believe that if you don't work in partnership then you're not going to achieve as much as you could on your own that links into team being together everyone achieves more and that for us was really important the togetherness the opportunities we actually felt by bringing um, people together we were actually being able to develop and broaden what we had to offer but also um, develop that expertise base from a growth point of view, we were working on uh, the growth of our students, the staff and the families. So we felt that we were actually growing every part of our organisation. So there's pledges around those areas. Enterprise, because we believe it's very important that we provide those skills for those children to have a can-do attitude, especially in the area that we are. So raising aspirations is very important for us. Uh, we uh, picked up on trust, and we believe that a lot of our development has been really because of the trust we have within ourselves, between ourselves, and then wider than that, and how we've actually built that. And I think the trust element has really grown because we've had longer in the build-up to the conversion, which I, I'm sure we'll talk about. And then from an, we put honesty on there because we really do value integrity. And we have been, when things haven't quite worked the way we've expected, we've just been really open about it and shared that. And then from an excellence point of view, we wanted to pick that word rather than outstanding because we believe in having those excellent standards. And then respect and respect for all of us within the organisation, 
and then our environment because when I was talking to the students it's very much about the environment and how we actually take care of the world around us and, and so that, that was really nice to put that link in there. Fantastic and it, it is really interesting the way that you've um, described that obviously having the original school, um, you know, a strong school at, 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 at the heart of it, but then really trying to build that that collaborative feel and that that team approach, so you don't have that kind of lopsided um, feeling of everything coming from that sort of lead lead school. Um, and you mentioned this this idea had been a little while in in the planning. Uh, when did you start, and how how long did it actually take? So we started back in 2017. Uh, I think we were all sat in my office. We were just having a cup of tea and going, do you know what, actually, why don't we do it ourselves? We'd looked at what other people had achieved and we actually sat back and thought, actually, yeah, I think we can do it. Um, the development plans took place during 2018-19 uh, and then we eventually converted in June 2020. There were several delays. Um, the election, for instance, gave us our first one after we got our academy order because you can't convert during murder. Uh, then uh, the developments around Brexit sort of gave us a little bit of uh, a hold up and then we hit the pandemic and developed uh, the, we continued to develop as we were uh, in designate roles but we also then came across furlough uh, with the organisations we were working with to convert, so our solicitors and so on. Um, so it just gave us a little bit longer leading, but it gave us a year to build a foundation and almost try our trust before we actually converted. So all our documentation was then able to be tested. So everything that we had for launch had almost gone through a year in, in the making. So a kind of sort of soft part, partnership and then and then actually it being formalised. I'm seeing a few kind of um, recognitions around around the faces on on the call. Has anyone got anything that they want to add about about how they found that process? Um, I found it frustrating, Caroline. You know, we, we would just seem to be from my role. It was very much about how we were going to bring the community along with us, how we were going to launch, what was it going to look like for the people within our area, and. Um, it just seemed to go on and on and on because we were talking about, well, you know, we could launch in November, we can launch, it could be January the 1st, then it was definitely going to be March the 1st, um, and then it was really not really known um, when it was going to be because there was COVID. Um, as Sarah's mentioned, I mean, the practicalities of your solicitor who's handling some of the land transfers, furloughing, Stuff suddenly there isn't the expertise on hand to enable the paperwork to be there. Um, I think really, and you know, as probably one of the newer members of the trust, I think seeing how how Sarah and the team sort of took every hurdle as it came at them, it was just like another here comes another body blow. Okay, just step sideways, but getting getting through that. Um, I think that, that Leanne was sort of certainly handling the finance and the um, the land side of things and uh, developed expertise there very rapidly um, overnight. I can also say um, to begin with it felt like a really small team and then when Alison came on in January I felt like I had some additional capacity and uh, an additional counsel to almost 
overcome some of those hurdles. And then when Leanne arrived, it was just like, right, she was just totally focused on, I'm getting that land and land sorted. So for me, it was brilliant because actually the dynamics changed, but also the relationship started to build. And with that, as I alluded to earlier, sort of that trust, that real honesty, and the number of times I had to phone up Alice and go, okay, so I've just come off the phone from the DFE. Actually, no, you've got an extra four weeks to get the launch prepared. So we had a launch in a box almost ready to go, but we weren't quite sure what the launch in the box would look like with COVID as well. So the plans were really quite big. We were going to be on site. We were going to do a lot with our children and the staff. And all of a sudden, we came down to a very COVID-secure uh, launch and we had to think very carefully about how we shared that and actually it was a really nice day um, but it probably wasn't what we initially thought in 2017 when we were having our cup of tea originally. Leanne have you got any um, thoughts you'd like to share? Um, probably talking about the finances for me I came in and that there was these visions and values were already created and I had to concentrate on the best finance system to put in place. And also not knowing when it would happen, we'd constantly be on the phone to the DfE and solicitors thinking, it's this month, it's this month, we'll go over the line. But we can't get the finance system in place until we've got the definite. So every month we were having that, is it going to be, is it going to be? And as soon as we knew that we then had to get everything in place in, in a two-week period, which just wasn't possible. So then we had to think of an interim solution before we could actually get the proper finance system up and running because their staff had been furloughed. Um, it was a really, really tricky time. And then communicating that with all the school staff who were at home, doing it virtually, the training, that was very difficult to get, to communicate and get everything sorted in time for the launch. But we did it and it looks great now. <laughs> we also had to make sure during the entire uh, of this process that we kept staff in a really positive place and we kept everybody on board with it because at one point we weren't sure if all three schools would cross the line on the 1st of June and then what were we going to do and I think it was like literally days before wasn't it Leanne we got the go-ahead that all three would go at the same time so it really was quite a lot of touch and go um, but I will say our DfE lead with worked with us it has been fantastic and I really do feel like I've got a really good relationship with her um, just to pick up the phone or to drop an email. And I don't think we'd have had that relationship if we hadn't have had, again, this lead-in period. And it must have been very difficult for you because, you, as you say, as a sort of trust team, this is obviously what you're driving for and your priority when there was very real other, you know, enormous priorities for you as a school and a community dealing with COVID. So it must have been very challenging to keep keep that project running while everything else was was going on. And and as you say, um kind of get pe other people kind of buzzed up for the the launch. Were there were there any kind of um we've we've discussed a little bit about kind of furlough and and and, and staff. Were there were there any other kind of particular issues that you had to overcome? I don't necessarily well, I personally wouldn't have said that there was the issue. It was more the fact that we were on a journey and the pandemic was part of, became part yeah. of that journey. Um, I can see Rachel nodding at me there. Um, very much that we learn an awful lot about ourselves, I think, in a short period of time. We already knew that we were going to be working ridiculous hours. The pandemic just sort of brought that with it. Um, and I think, in a way, 
it sort of helped us because we were really reflective, but also quite, um, I think originally it was, we started from a point where we were very responsive, but now actually we're very proactive with how we're moving things forward. Um, I don't know, Alison, if you want to bring something additionally to the table on this one. Well, yeah, I was just remembering, uh, um, one of the first things that I, I read when the, it was announced to be a pandemic, one of the first things, which has really stuck with me, and it said, and I'm paraphrasing it badly, but something like, um, pandemics expedite change. And I think, you know, we repeatedly said that to each other. We are going through unprecedented times. We kept hearing these expressions, but we really recognised we were. But actually, ultimately, we also know that we people, we're just human beings. We, you know, there was worries amongst the staff. We were working um, with a special school. You know, every young person with an AHCP was entitled to go to school. Well, you know, there we were with every child being entitled to attend school as normal. But there were so many unknowns. If you cast your mind back um, to where we were in March, and then you know, as a as a society, as a community, where we are now, we're much more confident with how the virus um, is actually transmitted. But we were dealing with an awful lot of the human issues at the time, and some of the anxieties that people were having. You know, will I be safe to come to work? Um, we were having to continue to uh, communicate really clearly to colleagues about the practicalities of day-to-day -day working um, and supporting the young people who are vulnerable and supporting their families and um, again responding to uh, government guidance which was you know, based on the best information they had at the time but probably was arriving sometimes after we put all of our plans in place. All of those, you know, Sarah talked about us working long hours. Gosh, we worked long hours. Those stages, we were all working uh, remotely or we were working on site, um, but all in different places. Um, I remember a six o'clock phone call from um, Sarah saying, you know, what's that meeting about to happen? Um, join us. And we, we were crunching through information, facts, making sense of things, um, and trying to work out how it applied to us. We're finishing half 11, as a half. 11 I'm building on this it was about sort of half past 10 at night um but having to then be ready to pick up um and be ready for an early start the next morning from half six the next morning we really did stack some hours in um working alongside colleagues who were working so hard to keep the schools open and I'd say it's that balance as well because it wasn't necessarily that we were working on the trust we were working with what was coming through linked to COVID and how we were then going to respond to that thinking about a special school, but then two primary schools who were going to be looking towards us pre-conversion for a response and thinking about how we actually unified that response and made sure anything that we needed to went through the board as well and to the DFE so that we had everything coordinated. And there were some really interesting crunch points. And I would say there aren't weekends where I don't go by without having conversations with Rachel about what's going on at school to actually wider what's coming in for our WhatsApp groups and what's happening in the two primary schools. So it's very much a coordinated approach. And if the team needs to come together, the team's brilliant. It, it just comes. And we have just, I think we've learned a lot about each other and our strength, um, but also our areas where we need to develop. And I don't know if you're going to come on to that, but one of the things that we have identified are the fact that we've got some gaps in our skill set, one of which is technology. We are not technologically minded between the four of us. Uh, we do really require uh, additional input. 
and that we've decided we're going to have to speculate to accumulate and we're going to go out and actually bring in that expertise. And then the other one um, is really around premises management. Uh, we just haven't got the capacity between the four of us to do some of those additional um, visits to site, check, monitors. We've got all the providers and support behind us and the services we've procured, but we just feel we need that additional person to support us. And I think that's enabled us. Within the last three weeks, we've sort of come sort of through an evolutionary process that actually we've grown probably a little bit before we expected to, but that's because we've had that pre-year beforehand. Yeah, and it, it must have been um, very tricky, as you say, a balancing act when you are sort of working with these schools with the intention of becoming the trust. There was so much up in the air around COVID, people looking for an answer, for a policy, for a way to work on these issues of kind of critical life and death importance in some cases. And and you're in this sort of in-between period of, of not quite being able to sort of be prescriptive to these schools quite yet because you're not, you know, in that formal relationship. That must have been that must have been really stressful. Um, but at the same time, I can see how um, leaders in, in those schools will have appreciated having somebody on call and having having someone to you know share that burden with. That's definitely what I've been hearing from the conversations that I've been having with trusts. There's sort of multiple heads. And, and even as you say, if, if there are kind of gaps in skills in, in the central team, there's, there's still that, that sort of support in numbers um, as, as well there. Um, so it must have been, yeah, very, very tricky there. Um, thinking ab- about the, um, the, 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 the launch I- I itself um, um, and uh, sort of the, 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 the kind of how that how that went down with the 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 community um any any reflections there on on and you, you described it in a little bit of detail um what the what the launch was actually like but i'm sure some people will be will be interested to, to know your kind of thinking behind that uh one of the things that we did was made sure that there was um an area for staff to really identify with as they pulled up on the first of june so it was a really crazy period to get a signage company um, around the site. And it was really exciting to go and have a quick drive around as you knew the sites were having their signage put mm. up to see actually teams coming alive. We also then um, engaged with uh, a local bakery, uh, it's actually a cafe, to produce some apple muffins. We felt that was appropriately, but individually wrapped, um, so that we could actually go and see the students on those sites that were actually in school. And then we did we did a four-week launch, and I'm going to hand over to Rachel to discuss that because she's really put together. We, we run something called CEO Challenges to really engage the community, the students, the staff, the governors, and the families, um, but Rachel was coordinating that. Yeah, so as part of um, the launch, we... We've been running CEO challenges for quite a while, um, focusing around different aspects, including things like reading and well-being. But in June, we decided to go with a four-week um, launch around kind of things where we were all working together. So there was four different aspects. There was one very much around kind of sharing our hopes and dreams for the future. There was um, one around kind of being active together, learning together. So... Um, 
one of the members of staff created a team anthem that we shared and all the children and all the staff were encouraged to learn it and we had some lovely feedback thank you on twitter and things um we also did work around creating apples again around our logo and things so there was there was a really considered approach but it it was very much aimed at involving the staff and the pupils and the governors so that everybody was involved and we fed all the feedback through to the team Twitter account so that we could share it with everybody. Um, and that seemed to work really well. Um, but it was really good on actual launch day to actually be able to go into those schools in a COVID secure manner and kind of introduce ourselves as an executive team um, and see the children. Um, it, it had been a really bizarre kind of lead up to a, a trust launch. So it was nice to feel like we were doing something that was very much at the heart of what we wanted, which was to make a difference to the children. Um, so yeah, it was a nice day. I love I love that idea of the the challenges and kind of subtle subtle ways to sort of make it it real, um, rather than some of the more kind of surface level showy you know um, um, things that people might might consider. I really really like that idea. And um, you you've, you've mentioned um, before that you that you that you actually work with a lot of um, schools in in collaboration uh and collaboration is one of those terms that that you know people use a lot but what exactly is it um can you know it, it can be very deep um or or something that is that is it is a little weaker um how would you describe your collaboration model and what is the, the what is the difference that that somebody who's at one of your schools as a, as, a, as a pupil or a parent or a member of staff what what difference do they feel for being part of team would you say so for for a point point of view of being part of team we have um trust champions and that's across different subjects or areas of uh, staff's expertise they share and identify best practice they set up networks and work to bring in national speakers. And they, during their Trust Champion year, they have three opportunities to work in those other schools and actually then meet with myself to feedback to me on how those schools are doing, uh, what are the priorities and what sort of things they need from us to continue the journey and move forward together. We have also, we have something called a collaboration offer, which goes to our local schools. Uh, or those within um, a particular radius that we feel we can work with. At the moment, that radius is a bit bigger because of the virtual world we live in. Uh, as part of that, we always have a student offer. Sometimes that could be theatre productions, access to our site for uh, particular theme days, our schools, art workshops. Uh, currently, the theatre companies are actually doing uh, virtual. Uh, yesterday, I was on site recording a pre-lesson for some work around Hope, which we're going to launch in the new year, um, working with our uh, faith providers across the area, uh, putting children's work up as part of an art display. Uh, the other things we look at is leadership um, support. So we've had a number of workshops from Michael Heffel, looking at well-being, supporting us with different strategies. So as a leadership team, we've been using the 17 strategies we've been putting out, but then uh, yesterday we had a Fit Your um, Own Faith Mask First session, um, and again, we then look at how we can develop some of those to have other people in. Uh, we've got Mary Myatt coming around curriculum, 
uh, Mr P around ICT. These are all things that as individual smaller schools you wouldn't necessarily be able to tap into. Uh, we normally run, um, if it's pre-COVID, we had a full day for the champions to work together and network with those uh, professionals and in the afternoon there was always an hour of CPD for all staff. So it's bringing together everyone across the trust as much as we can to really benefit from all those different expertise. And you have got a tremendous um, wealth of, of expertise um, in, internally, um, particularly around um, careers. And that, that seems unusual for a kind of um, primary. Could you talk to me a bit more about that? I think you might be talking about me, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's interesting the way your career yourself takes you. So, um, my background wasn't originally in teaching. Um, I came into education to help set up a, um, an academy in inner city Nottingham. Spent 12 years doing that. Um, but with the business background, it evolved into career specialism because I was taking lots of um, education business partnerships. And um, in my time working there, obviously got directly involved with teaching but became very interested in careers and how careers is taught in school um, and developed really a level of expertise through the support of the school that I was working with at the time. So I'm qualified as a, uh, as a careers advisor, but also um, became very involved in um, developing policies and strategies to support careers advice and guidance in other schools. So when... Um, considering working uh, with Sarah, she said, look, you know, what we really need for young people with FDND is to have that level of expertise that isn't normally available to them so that when they leave a really supportive environment like Southern Wood, they are progressing on to a positive outcome. And um, we say, you know, across the trust, the whole purpose for education is, is about taking a young person to the very best place that they can get to for them based on their academic skills, but also based on their understanding of themselves and the world of work around them. So it starts right down in primary school. Um, I'm the champion for the trust. I meet with the principals. Um, what's been great, very early uh, for when is about putting careers into the school improvement plans, bringing governors on board. So they've got a host of, of expertise that they can tap into as well. Um, and then seeing how we can bring that through into the work that's taking place at Southernwood um, and making sure that we've got supportive internships, for example, for our sixth form students, um, making sure that we've got a really clear offer so that young people, as they go through their education, know what's coming up and they can see their development through the careers um, progression that they'll face as well. Sarah was mentioning earlier, she said, you know, I've realised where some of the gaps are, and she was talking about the need for facilities management. And one of the things that we're really keen to do as a trust is to develop an 18 to 25 centre. Um, but in order to do that, we need to find an appropriate site where we can support young people with independent living, um, with all of the skills that they need for a really successful um, outcome for themselves. Um, so again, it's bringing all of the knowledge together across the trust. Um, and I think that's that really is key. It's about building on the expertise that we've got within the trust and knowing when to bring it in. Fantastic. And, Thank you. And I would also just add to that that generally we're all leads of network or we're a champion. 
And because of that, we're working alongside the staff, so we're not seeing that hierarchy. We're actually getting involved in using our own expertise as well. And then I think just adding to the careers aspect around, we, we bought into a program called Talentinos, um, and this is linked to an amazing lady called Jenny, who has then also become part of our governance for the trust. And I think that's really, really important because it's enabled us to actually work on a national platform as well. And uh, Alison was able to showcase, along with the work at Wood at their national conference. So again, building on how we actually share what's happening in our setting, but in a wider forum. And I think that's just really important, how we are part of that system leadership. Fantastic. And, and and moving on to think about um about parents a little bit. Obviously, as with as with all the other things we've been discussing around COVID, a lot of them had um, you know, difficult things to, to deal with themselves as as well. And you've mentioned obviously with a with with, with a lot of children from Stubbornwood being able to access provision, um, complications around COVID and all, all of that kind of thing. What has the reception been like among among parents and how have they engaged with the new trust? Our parents have been really positive, but I think part of that comes from the fact that we started our collaboration with our early health officer. So we have an early health manager who does a lot of interventions across the school. She actually works with five local schools. And because of that, I think she's got a real way of getting out into the community and supporting the community, those most vulnerable parents. And then we also made sure that as the lead school, we actually took our parent governor and um, asked them to be part of the trust board. And she has a huge amount of um, wealth of experience with an NHS background. So that, again, has been another skill to draw on. Um, and then we've strengthened um, by working with the other schools how they work with their parents. They are very proactive, very much at the door, meeting the parents and being at the forefront. And we did an awful lot of um, sort of face-to-face work during COVID, even though we were masked up, uh, we're still very active and very visual with those, with our uh, families. Great stuff. And um, thinking about um, the, the sort of staff perception of, of the change, um, obviously the kind of um, HR implications of becoming um, a trust. Um, that must have been quite quite challenging to manage uh, remotely. Um, how was that for you? It's been a tricky few months, hasn't it? I think already well-being for staff is difficult. Staff are anxious, staff are worried about their health, their family's health, their childcare issues. Um, job security, finances, and then to bring into the mix that we're transferred to, we're converting to a multi-academy trust, there's a lot of change and it's really important for us to communicate with staff whenever we can. Um, we have weekly briefings where we communicate with them. We were so focused on the beginning, at the beginning about staff well-being and what can we give them, what can we reward them with. Um, we enrolled in bike schemes and tech schemes and we've got this amazing package where you can have counselling and eye care and doctors on the end of the phone but on reflection they don't use that the uptake has been really poor um so going forward we're going to be focusing on staff voice listening to what they've got to say 
as a trust, they probably feel now, even less than before, that their voice isn't heard, and that's not true. Um, we want to hear what staff have got to say, where we can improve, how we can improve. We're asking for a staff panel at each school to contribute, um, and we will listen as a trust. We want to improve, we want to hear their voice, and we want good change. We, want, we don't want it to be like it was before. Um, so that's really important going forward and something we'll focus on rather than the materialistic things as we thought was important initially. And I think we're very lucky. We've got a um, trust champion around special educational needs who's taken on working with our um, support staff and there are a larger proportion of support staff having special school within the trust and they already have their own platform and that platform's already capturing what's working well, what could be even better, what do you need support with, would you like particular CPD involvement, um, is there anything else I can do to help you? And so that forum's really interesting just to keep an eye on. Um, she meets with me very regularly and will communicate anything that's coming up that we need to be aware of and how we can then best support the staff as well. Yeah, yeah, Rachel, I'm interested to hear from you on this. Yeah, I think as well one of the things that we've learnt um, as we've kind of moved into... Um, being fully open as a trust is that actually with our trust networks as well it's really important to make sure that we do get the feedback out of those so again one of the things that we've recently brought on is a um, evaluation form so that staff are going to be asked to complete that evaluation form at the end of the network meetings focusing on what have you taken away from um, this network but equally what could we do better and what else could the trust provide to help you to do your job better so that we're looking to from a trust point of view and we're trying to give them as many opportunities as we can for them to share their voice and for it to be heard. And that that feedback will come through the network, please, but also through the exec team so that it is heard at the right levels and can be actioned. Yeah, it's interesting to think, I guess, with your, you know, your, your launch basically happening in the middle of, of COVID, that it it would take people a time to sort of fully appreciate the differences, experience the differences. And as you say, things have, things have happened, you know, more slowly than you would have necessarily wanted for a variety of, of reasons. And then it can be quite difficult to engage with what is the trust if you're all at home, actually just, you know, burdened with issues around COVID. Sarah? Um, we also made sure that we had uh, some of the inset days we weren't able to take last year. We negotiated to take them this year. So we did have a trust inset day in September where we were able to be zoomed into the schools. Uh, all very weird, being uh, socially distanced in the hall ourselves and then just being able to go through sort of the vision, the values, reconnect people together. And then on our other um, events, we've tried to bring people in and there are, have been opportunities for instance, yesterday when we were all together, for some of the senior leaders in Liverpool to join in with us. Yeah, um, really, really interesting to hear about how you're how you're really sort of looking to harness that staff voice going forward. And thinking about um, any, if you were to turn back the clock and 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 do things differently or start again. Uh, what do you think you might change about the process? What have you learned about yourselves and the schools and the whole whole process of, of creating a trust? Anybody would like to kick us off? I think really we've, we've tried and tested our own, I suppose, strengths 
uh, we've identified areas and uh, our own weaknesses, gaps in our expertise. It's enabled us to really work together in a very unique way. I, I would say we've probably got a stronger bond because of the work we've been doing, but also the hours we've probably had to communicate with each other in different ways. And I, I think in that sense, it, it's been a real positive out of, I would say, a negative. Mm -hmm. But also it's given us a real foundation. Um, as I alluded to the skill set earlier around premises and IT, so uh, I think that's been a really good reflection for us. Any, anyone of you are advising oh, yeah, someone? I, I just think, yeah, thinking, we're, we're doing that typical thing, aren't we? Where we're thinking what we haven't got, rather than actually, we've got a lot. There's a lot of talent. Um, you know, Sarah's not going to say this, but she's, she's really quite visionary in seeing how things fit together um, and bringing people into play when they're playing for their strength. So, you know, around the, the table, there is a um, collective experience both within uh, commercial side of things, both accountancy, auditing, but, but also uh, curriculum development, staff development, CPD. Um, there's really quite a rich wealth of things. And I think that one of the things I'd reflect on is sometimes we need to take time just to draw breath and think, thank you, we've done all this. You know, that's amazing. Um, and, you know, we, we, we can draw the positives from this pandemic. It's a horrific... Um, situation to be in, but there's been so many positives coming through. You know, we've seen colleagues really step up to the mark. We've seen teachers go into classrooms when they aren't sure that maybe the students in that classroom, their family are following the rules, you know, they've, but they've stepped up and they've consistently delivered great education. They've, um, they've learned how to put learning resources online. We've, we've learned how to um, to put uh, a whole blended curriculum online so that a child can be at home or in the classroom and have a very similar learning experience. So I think I'd like to celebrate how far we've come as a group. I, I know Sarah is very conscious of it every week. She sends out a message to staff to say thank you, you know, reflecting on this this week. Um, there has been some amazing work um, done across the piece and across the trust. And the principals have all played a big part in that as well. I would say one of the things that I think kept us going is our level of creativity. There is, there's never a word called no. Um, okay isn't quite good enough. Um, a couple of times we've had to reprioritize, but actually when we've looked at some of those things, because of the way we've evolved, actually those aren't priorities anymore for us. So that's really useful. And I think it's okay to halt and take stock um, and I think at the moment I think it's called get to Christmas uh, and that's something we were all talking about is how do we get there but get there in a way that's actually managed we feel we're ready for January but what does January look like so I know that the team have already got a, a slot built in for planning the next hundred days because I want to keep us focused but I just want to make sure we're focusing on the right things and I do have some focuses for the next six months. So I can see where we're going and the bigger, I suppose, building blocks that we've each got that take, I suppose, a precedence in those that. Yeah, it's almost an unfortunate side effect of the launch process or there being a date 
to say, oh, that will be that, the finished product done. And it's, it's never, it's never like that. Um, be really interested to hear um, from any of you what your what your priorities are um, for the for the next wee while, and then we can kind of revisit them when we when we talk again at Easter and see how your journey's going. Okay, so if I, I start off, we're, we're desperate to put a Team Plus offer out there. So for those children who are eighteen to twenty five, we believe there's a gap locally in our market. And that's really, really exciting. And we have tapped into our local MP to support it with finding premises and supporting that process. And that's really linked in with wider community work. I know Leanne and I are really busily looking at our traded services and uh, an affiliation offer because we'd really like to draw people into the benefits of team, but actually what I call the wider benefit. So somebody being able to support you with HR probably a lot quicker than the providers from a local authority stance, those sort of benefits. And then we're also uh, meeting, and I appreciate we've only got a short period of time left before Christmas, but we're meeting with our partners to talk about what's working well, what can be even better for the next six months. Uh, just reviewing some of those contracts in case there are some better procurement deals that we can then pass down to our schools with the impact of COVID. Uh, we've been going through a governance review from a school perspective because we realise the strength of the governance within the trust. We, we really want to reflect that within each school. And there's a big shift uh, around gathering staff voice, including our staff. But as part of that, uh, Leanne's busily moving us to PS People from a HR management software system. Uh, we're going virtual. Um, we're going um, very much paperless. And that in itself brings a slight amount of um, scariness, I think, for some of us who do like a paper copy. Wow. Well, that sounds like plenty to get be getting on with. Anyone else got anything to add there? Yeah, Rachel. I think from my point of view, obviously, um, with my role around education and achievement, for me, the big priorities remain about making sure that the impact of the COVID catch-up funding is really positive. Um, and I know we've done a lot of work with our schools to make sure there's a strong rationale in place behind the choices that they're making in terms of that money. I think as well it's about making sure that the blended curriculum is very much evident in all the classrooms and that it's embedded in the practice that is is seen within schools as well because I think we've, we've very much come to recognise that actually our students pick something up, certainly at Stubbin, when it's delivered within school because that's a routine where they're used to accepting those boundaries and things and we found that it transfers much better to the home environment if they're secure with it from a school point of view um, and I think then the the other priority for me is about making sure that we have made sure that our students are as resilient and as independent as possible so that if we end up in the situation again that actually we've given them as many of the skills as we can to make sure that they can engage with their learning um, in whatever environment that has to be in. Great stuff. And yeah. Leanne, oh, you want to add anything? Yes. Yeah. Um, just to reflect on what Sarah said, we're excited to um, work collaboratively with other schools in the local area. We know once they start to work with us, as Wally Thorns and Model Village did, that they would see how excellent our support and network is working together. So I'm, I'm excited to work with other schools and welcome them because we've got a lot to offer. Right you are, and Alison? 
Um, I, I just think that uh, Sarah outlined it quite well. I mean, certainly the, the offer for 18 to 25 in an area like ours is really, really critical, you know, quite an isolated area. Um, that, I think, is going to be a very big project. I think as well there's this element of uh, the world very mindful of actually embedding ourselves even further is, you know, what is the team difference? What is the added value? And we know it's there, and the staff know it's there, but I think that's something that we really need to, to be working on. Um, and I think that that's, that brings lots of opportunities, and again, you know, think different ways of thinking. So it's going to be interesting, maybe in six months' time, listening to where we are now and thinking, well, now what are they really taking and what's that journey been? It's been quite a journey so far. Well, thank you very much for sharing it with us. And, and Sarah, are there any final words that you'd like to close with? Yeah, I think there's, there's two really. First one, obviously, this is a huge journey. So embedding teams and doing that together, that's everybody within all the schools, the students, the staff. And really, I just want to say a huge thank you to the staff because they have just been absolutely amazing. And without all their contributions from all the different schools, from our champions, all the way through to the central team, the execs, the principals mainly, I really need to say thank you to them because they really have driven their schools through a really difficult time. And without all the contributions of everybody, we just wouldn't be the team that we are today. Oh, that's brilliant. What a great note to end on. And thank you for sharing with us. Um, your experiences so so honestly and and for agreeing to come back and um, revisit them again a couple of times during the year and I think you're so right Alison we do we do often beat ourselves up um, and say what could we have done differently but I know part of the the spirit of this conversation is because you felt that there, there wasn't a lot of information available for people thinking about setting up a trust and how they go about it and all of these kinds of things so hopefully that podcast this podcast will really help them I really appreciate you all, as I know how busy you are taking the time to talk to us today. And thank you very much for listening. Key Voices is produced by The Key, giving education leaders the knowledge to act. Members of The Key for School Leaders can access hundreds of articles on the latest issues in education at thekeysupport.com. And please tell us what you think of the podcast. Rate, review and subscribe or email me at caroline.doherty at thekeysupport.com with your thoughts and suggestions.